Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 115, Privacy and Other Things, recorded December 3rd, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Wow, I really I added a little extra punch to that tonight. Dot com. Yeah, dot com. I was feeling it's saucy. Dot com. <laughs> it's- We've got just uh, a, a non-specific news sort of show this week. Uh, no single topic, just some things that interest us, interested it us. This us. Um, uh, most of which seem to have to do, well, not most of which, but some of which have to do with privacy. So, hence privacy and other things. Um. And of course, my name is Mark, and with me as always, that guy is Sean. Hello, everyone. Yes, and as you're probably, I don't know if that picked up on the mic or not, my daughter's sneezing. I didn't hear it. She always picks that time, like, okay, honey, I need you to be quiet so we can record, which she does a very good job of, right? She'll be real quiet uh, most of the time. If you're listening to the show, uh, usually uh, it's recorded with my daughter just a few feet away listening in. And uh, uh, But it seems like it's always that time of night that she decides she needs to sneeze. And I'm always sitting there like trying to catch the mute button on Skype. <laughs> I've got my cursor constantly on the mute button on Skype and just kind of one eye on her, like just wait to see that sneeze face start, you know. What usually happens around here is my dog will decide to just go absolutely nuts at nothing and start barking and clawing and jumping and and uh, you'll hear it upstairs just random times. Right. Welcome to yeah. recording at home. You know, <laughs> Howard Stern doesn't have these problems. <laughs> right. <laughs> Howard Stern has porn stars in his studio. <laughs> it's a whole different thing. Well, hey, I mean, all we need is... Uh, couple people to hop into the website and donate a hundred million dollars and uh we could spice up the show as well a <laughs> uh, couple couple of them yeah well you know i mean maybe we'll get somebody like ross perot listening in you know <laughs> my long-term plan to win the largest ever powerball lottery jackpot didn't pan out um i didn't win it and by the way none of those people you see on facebook won it either knock it off people Oh yeah, okay. I saw that. Yeah, so and so is going to give away a million dollars if you like this. I can't believe people buy into that yeah. stuff. And it, I saw an interesting comment on it. It's like, okay, a, it's fake. B, it's photoshopped. C, two million people have already liked it. Your odds are actually better at going buying another lottery ticket than of being picked <laughs> of the of the ones who liked it. Right, right. Yeah, that. You know, every time I see that stuff, and you know, it's sad too because these these people are your friends, right? right. I mean, every time I see one of those, it like knocks somebody down. Right. You know, I, I used to like you. I thought we could be friends. Right. Yeah. I I I had some level of respect for you before, but it's uh, yeah, that's that's uh, horrible, horrible. Or the that stupid. Um, in, in accordance with Facebook's new privacy terms, I hereby state that everything I say is mine. So nanny, nanny, boo, boo, that that one, I've got like a hundred friends ish on Facebook and like 98 of them put that up. And the rest of us put up things ridiculing that 98. It was the the most widespread one I've ever seen. (laughs) Facebook is now a publicly traded company. Yeah. So. And if you don't put this on your site, on your on your Facebook page, nothing. If you don't put this on your Facebook page, 
nothing. It means yeah. nothing. Well, and you know, not only that, Mark, but it, it's so funny because people are so, I mean, they're, you know, definitely they're the center of their own universe, so to speak. And, you know, supporting people, you run into this all the time uh, where people think that, you know, you as the tech guy sit back all day long and read every email they send and every little, you know, uh, message, you know, internal message and everything else that you're just sitting there reading through their stuff and watching what they do. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I've had that conversation so many times and people ask me this, Oh, you just sit back and read people's emails all day long. It's like, no, I have yeah. so many better things to do. And even if I did, would they really be that interesting? Yeah. Would I really care? I, you know, but that just shows that there's, I mean, a lot of people out there, they just think that, you know, their life must be so interesting that there's just tons of people out there that care what they have to say. I'm sorry, people. I don't care. <laughs> no one cares. Your mother doesn't care. Right, right. Yeah. Like some company or somebody's going to go out there and grab what you've said on Facebook. <laughs> You're not that witty. Right, right. You know, and and if you have something to say that you're worried about that, you probably shouldn't be posting it on a social network. Right. Huh? So, uh, yeah, I I don't get people. I really don't. So, yeah, I, I don't, I generally try not to be that guy who whines about stuff on Facebook, and I, I let those things go, and, you know, I, I occasionally will paste a comment like, you know, did you even think about running this by anyone before you posted it but but that one that last one the 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 i'm gonna give two million a million dollars away to somebody and the privacy thing those two in my feed anyway were more rampant than anything i have ever seen before and it was really uh it was kind of startling uh that that people are I guess the 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 idea is you know it, it's it's free it just takes a second it's only bits you just click share what's the harm you know I, I if if I don't do it some probably nothing will happen but what's the harm if I do and you know it's kind of hard to argue with that yeah there is no harm other than people thinking you're a moron right um, which they probably already do anyway uh, so anyway just I'm well it, that's funny though because it's kind of I've heard the same argument for Jesus. <laughs> right. Right. You yeah. know, it's like if you don't well, reshare this, an angel dies and a puppy loses its wings. Well, and not only that, but you know, like the atheist will say, you know, uh or, or you know, you could say to the atheist, uh, you know, if you're if you're right, then you know, what I don't lose anything, you know. I mean, it's it is what it is, but if I'm right and you don't subscribe to my way of thinking, then you've lost everything, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that argument. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's I, just funny to see the same old tropes come back around. You know, the the Walt Disney son is going to give money to everybody who forwards this, or, or Microsoft is tracking a new email yeah. tracking system. You know, those same things are coming back around to Facebook. And ironically... I haven't seen the tracking one because it would be entirely possible to track a Facebook share <laughs> where it was not imp not possible to track a, an email, but nobody's tried that one. Right, right. Yeah. 
Anyway, I don't know. That that I, was totally unscripted and unplanned. We just sort of both we we put our grumpy pants on and we sat on the front porch and said, "Get off our lawn." <laughs> right, right. I I do certainly feel myself becoming that guy more and more. I can't wait to see what I'm like at 60. <laughs> you know, I'm also that guy, Mark. That uh, you know, when you when you text, I I spell everything out when I'm texting. Oh, I always have, always have. Yeah, and uh, and I'm now that old guy that you know. Oh, I can't. I hate it when people shorthand text, and uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm that guy. And you know, I see where it's going, and you know, we really can't fight it. I mean, someday these younger generations are going to be running businesses, and they're going to, you know, and you know, business documents will be written in that same shorthand. I mean, it will become the new English, and they'll be sean and mark in their wheelchairs out in front of the old folks home complaining about it yeah (laughs) the world changes whether you like it or not right right but it is interesting to think of how the technology culture that we have is changing people like for example it used to be considered rude to sit at the dinner table and and doodle or play with something or whatever now it's commonplace for family to be out to dinner, six people at the dinner table, all staring at some device. You know, it's 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 right. that's become socially acceptable. You know, or the guy walking down the aisle with his Bluetooth in, having a conversation way too loudly, um, is now accepted. You know, it's not rude anymore. It's it's interesting how uh, uh, technology changes things, and and it's there's no way around it. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, for the most part, I'm okay with it. But I, I do, I have noticed that I'm becoming less tolerant. Of it. So, by the way, th- those of you who complain about the d bags who walk around with their Bluetooth earpiece blinking all day, that's me. I do that <laughs> because it's handy, and that's why I bought it. So I could have conversations without picking up my phone. And if I, if I like, they say, "Well, put it in your pocket when you're out on the phone." Uh-oh. But then when I'm on a call. When I get a call, I have to um, pick it out of my pocket and turn it on and put it in my ear. Why would I do that? Right. It's, I just, I, it's just there. It's handy. It weighs half an ounce. It doesn't bother me. Why should it bother you? Leave me alone. But I've heard well, people whine it, about that often. Well, yeah. I mean, and there's, because uh, I'm the same way, and I go even worse because I've got the 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 stereo, you know, the, the full-on headset. Um that I wear, I love. I love to wear it when, uh, when like you know, going out running and things like that, listening to music. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, driving. Um, if you work in technology and you're on a computer all day long, it's just nice to have your hands free. So while you're ignoring somebody on the phone, you can actually be typing away, <laughs> <you know? laughs> pretending you're listening. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean. Just I I can't wait for the implants. That's yeah. yeah. When there are some Bluetooth implants that you can have implanted into your ears, I'm going to be all about that. Yeah, so. I could see that. You know, instead of you know put your put your phone away at the dinner table, it's turn off your brain implants at the dinner table. We don't allow that mental telepathy at dinner time. Are you watching YouTube? You're watching YouTube right now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yep. And uh, <laughs> wow, we just totally went off on on almost fifteen minutes of of randomness. Um, the year is flying by. 
It is now December. I know. Can you believe it? Yeah, I, I mean, can I'll, because my calendar changed and I tend to believe that. Mark, I got to ask you what the weather's like down there because it is like May here in Texas. I mean, it's like in the <sighs> 70s. It's All right. So let's have the let's have the global warming talk. Yes, it's no, warm no, no. in December. I'm not, so. I'm not going there. Because <laughs> I'm not one of those conspiracy theorists. I, I ranted about that yesterday on on uh, Everyday Linux because it's yes, it's been warm in the South. Surprise! Uh, the Wait, last few days, warm winters and cold winters. I mean, right. we have you know this just happens to be one of those. But you know, I've seen all these again. Back to Facebook, all these posts about global warming. We're all going to die. Write your congressman. It was 78 today. Okay, well. In January, when it's minus five, that exact same person will write, so much for global warming, it's cold out there. Right. <sighs> I promise I'm not going to bring it up every show, but Sean did. It's his fault. Yeah, I did. I put that in the show notes. I just thought because, you know, it's just wild that the, the year's flying by so fast. You know, Mark, for both of us, we've had some pretty major life-changing events this year, and I think that kind of lends itself to just time flying by you know there's so much going on you, you you don't have time to even stop and think about it um you know hope it's not like that for everybody out there but you know if you work in technology it probably is yeah i'm a couple weeks away from having been in georgia for six months and it certainly yeah. doesn't seem like that is there is there a tech guy out there that's not overworked um right. the unemployed ones i i guess so because it seems like, I mean, if you work for any kind of entity whatsoever, the general consensus is we don't have anything to do. We sit around and read their emails. <laughs> you know, I used to, when I, when I had your job and, uh, and I worked for that, I used to tell people all the time, uh, there are two things that you need to know for sure. One, yes, I do have the technical capacity to read your emails. Two, I have much, much better things to do than read your emails. So, right. so by law, just in terms of privacy, I need you to understand that, yes, I have that ability, but know that I don't do that. Or the other question is, you know, do you sit around and play games? How many times does a kid, particularly a kid, say, so yeah. y'all just sit up here and play with computers all day? Yes, that's what we do. I've got uh, I've got the Xbox Live going over here in the corner. That's all we do. Well, I kind of have that one figured out, though, because I think that they're really actually looking for a yes there. Like, they're hopeful. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think someday I want to go into working in, in computers. That's the job I want. Right. Sitting around playing games all day long, you know? So uh, that's that's kind of the feeling I've been getting is that they want us to say yes. Oh, yeah, it's great, man. You know, I, I check in at, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning, play a couple hours of Halo, uh, <laughs> read through some emails. Uh, not mine, of course. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so uh yeah i love it i love it so speaking of changes in life you have a couple of impending changes in your life that you wanted to share with our audience what are those i do i do well you have, Mark, a, you have a new bundle on the way right uh uh a i'm new, trying to figure an, out which a new which bundle go, of joy which one you're going to there I'm gonna i don't go, know pick I'm one go, i'm gonna go cell phone <laughs> And, you know, if you've been a long-time listener to the show, you know how much we love to talk about our cell phones, especially when we get new ones. Um, this one came to me today. so You know uh, I'm not allowed to talk about my cell phone on the well, show. Remember, we've well, established that. You can, but I'm not allowed to. 
Well, that's because I'm not going to make a whole show out of it. <laughs> so, if I've mentioned it a couple of times. If you really listen closely, then you'll probably remember that I had a Motorola Atrix uh, that I got um, almost two years ago. Uh, back then, it was kind of a top-of-the-line phone, and I've been extremely pleased with it all along. And I don't know, it was probably a, about a week and a half ago, um, I kept getting people going, yeah, I tried to call you a couple times and you never answered. And, you know, and then I would, uh, I'd just be going through my day and I'd look at my phone to do something else and see that I had missed calls and things like that. And I just kind of was chalking it up to, I guess I just, you know, was busy doing something else or wasn't paying attention didn't hear it, whatever. And I turned the volume all the way up on the ringer and everything. And, uh, finally, I mean, it took me a while to catch on, but that that it basically it was not ringing at all so if i had any incoming calls texts anything that required that kind of notification service um it just wasn't doing anything even though the audio was working on other you know media and stuff like that and um so i thought okay and i think it's it was even maybe a couple of weeks ago that i just i had talked about uh you know maybe uh unlocking it you know doing a factory reset and unlocking it and stuff like that so I went ahead and did a factory reset on it, thinking it was just, you know, maybe it was it was long overdue to do that. Um, didn't fix the problem. And uh, so that was a little frustrating. Um, and then over the weekend, it, the thing just up and died on me. So uh, there was some hardware problem going on there. And, you know, nowadays, two years on a cell phone, you kind of go, oh, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do have a rather short shelf life, don't they? Especially right. for how expensive they are. Yeah, so you know, for you know, I was like, well, it's been pretty. It's just about two years now, so uh, yeah, time to get a new one. Uh, you want to guess which one, which way I went? I did I put it? Well, you haven't told the audience yet. I didn't. So. I didn't put it in the notes. I was yeah. just curious if you would be if you would be able to pin me down or peg me down to a. Well, you know, with your new recent love of all things Apple. It ah. wouldn't surprise me if the new iPhone were in your in your future. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I did briefly just think about it just to be given an honest, uh, you know, chance. Because you're all about your iPad and you had that MacBook Pro that changed your life and made you a better <laughs> man. And, uh, you know, it just it really wouldn't surprise me to hear that. Um, yeah, I, I, I do. Here's your here's your sound. Bite. I, I do love my iPad. <laughs> But, you know, I thought about it and, you know, the, the major reason I didn't go that way is I, I don't want to be wrangled into that, that Apple universe. Um, I think once you get your life, you know, just well ingrained, you're stuck. I mean, it, you know, you, you can't ever move out of that. Um, not without, you know, a major effort. Uh, so I've actually liked kind of living in both worlds. I think as a tech guy, it helps too. You know, you're a little knowledgeable on both sides. Um, but quite honestly, I mean, I think Android's just, they're out innovating uh, Apple on on their, you know, the iOS just is not changing enough. I mean, it's got the same look and feel that it has for the last three or four years now. Um, yeah, it is looking a little dated, particularly when you compare it to something that's totally different like the new windows 8 uh surface thing on a phone you know that that looks 
vastly different than anything we've seen before. Um, right. and, and it does make the, the iOS start to look a little bit like, you know, the old man. Right. Well, and, you know, even Android just, you know, with the ability to customize the interface, which to me is a big deal. You know, I want to have a home screen that is set up the way I want it. Um, you know, I love uh, I love the widgets. I don't go widget crazy, but you know, I do I do like to use a couple of widgets and be able to customize things. And so there's you know there's just some things there that I I enjoy, and you can't do it um, with Apple. So. Uh, to me, that was a no-brainer. Uh, I do, you know, I like to geek out, and I want to go for, you know, the the high performance end of things. So, when it really came down to it, there was a couple of Android phones, and then, uh, you know, I did look at the iPhone. But um, those so, are the knowing you as I do, um, I, I'm That's tempted. Why I was asking. I'm tempted to say you went with the 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 Galaxy Note or the Galaxy Nexus, but I think you would find that too big. And since you already have the iPad, you'd say, well, when I want the larger interface, I have that. So I'm going to say you went with the Galaxy S3. Ding, ding, ding. You got it. I knew you would. <laughs> I knew you knew me well enough. Yeah, you're right. I did. I looked at the Galaxy Note and the Galaxy uh, Tab, I think it was. Um, and the screen real estate did. At first, it got me because I'm a typical guy in that way, right? I'm like, oh, wow, extra, you know, seven-inch screen or whatever it is. Um you know, that was really appealing to me. And then, you know, I looked at the specs and everything. I was like, well, you know, and it's it's good spec-wise and all that. But I did think exactly that. I'm like, I already have a tablet. What do I need another one for? Now it's this thing that I can't really comfortably fit in my pocket. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I went with the, the S3. Uh, don't have a whole lot to say about it because I just got the thing today. Um the only thing I can say is uh, I think it has ice cream sandwich on it, which yep. is I have not had because it was not available on the Atrix. So that's a nice little upgrade for me uh, performance-wise. So far, it's real snappy. Of course, it's brand new. And, uh, man, the thing's thin. Yeah, that's the one I bought for my wife back in July. And um, I was immediately jealous of it. It's a good yeah. device. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's all I can give you is initial impressions is – it's pretty darn cool, but I did want to take an opportunity to get an Apple jab in there because as I was <laughs> doing uh, research for the show, I did uh, see that, uh, you know, Samsung is the number one uh, phone maker in the United States and Apple making a charge has moved from third to second. So, again, and I haven't seen a whole lot of the, the fanboys out there, but, you know, the fanboys, remember, Mark, they used to always claim that they were the number one cell phone maker in the United States and all this kind of stuff. Um, uh, they've moved from third to second. That's that's an official. And it's not even like it's not even close. Like they're not I, you. It's funny because you read the fanboy articles and they're like, Apple closes in on Samsung. And it's like, no, not really. They're like at 17%. Samsung's at like 24, 25%. You know, and everybody else is like 17, 16, 15. I mean, Samsung's like way out there. Now, in, now in let's the, be a little more fair in our comparison. It would be more fair to compare the iPhone 5 to the Galaxy S3 and compare those sales because those are com comparable devices. Samsung makes lots of devices from the high end to the cheap, Apple right. makes one device. So, you know, it's 
let's let's be a little fair. Yes, Samsung is going to outperform them in terms of raw numbers because they're making way more devices. There are more options, and you can buy a cheap Samsung. They make them. They don't make cheap Apple phones. Yes, I agree. So, yeah, I don't know what the high-end numbers are. So there's me being an Apple apologist. Ugh. I don't like it. I read somewhere uh, a stat recently from an Android developer that said uh, something like three, three to five percent of Android users are running ICS. So ice cream sandwich, the newest version, which isn't even the newest version. Jelly Bean is the newest one now. Right. So, so of all the Android phones out there, only five percent or less are actually using the most recent version of the OS. So the 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 high end market is still pretty small. Because I think the people who buy high-end devices, by and large, buy Apple devices. Yeah. Yeah. I would disagree with that. We have a question in the chat room. What's the best new phone right now? Inexpensive, but great for value. Man, that's, I don't know that you can answer that question. The, the yeah. value is such a nebulous term. What, what is it that is valuable to you? Um, yeah, because I think, uh, you know, of your major providers, I mean, uh, your or makers, you know, obviously you have Samsung, uh, Motorola. Um, I pause while I open my article <laughs> that breaks down. All I'm, the I'm still an HTC fan. I think they make some of the best hardware out there. Uh, yeah. Samsung LG. has definitely caught the close that gap. Yeah. The LG phones, which I think the LG phones uh, really kind of hit that kind of hit that question right uh, the lg ones are, are are sort of that mid-range you know decent performance uh decently nice phones you can get them for pretty cheap um one of the things i think that people need to to pay more attention to when they're buying a phone though uh, this is the phone hour and it wasn't wasn't supposed to be but uh right. is I, when when you go in and you're buying a phone you're gonna you're committing to 50 dollars a month for two years roughly speaking so $1,200 you're committing to, to this phone, uh, just in general, you know, cause you got to have a data plan if you get a smartphone and most contracts are, um, 24 months and the average cost of a phone, uh, a phone data plan is 50 bucks. So I'm just rounding that. It's probably a lot more. Uh, but on average, we're talking 50 bucks, about $1,200 for a phone. So don't let the difference between the $50 handset and the $300 handset make your decision because all in all, it's a fraction of the total cost of ownership of that phone. And uh, you might buy the cheap one now or the free one to save a few bucks and then spend the next two years wishing you hadn't. Right. I agree. And uh, that was element 355 in the chat room. And I'm guessing this one, uh, it says i4. I'm thinking the iPhone 4, which uh, is interesting because it, the article that I pulled up with these numbers uh, said just that too, is that uh, the iPhone 5, there's a lot of reports that the iPhone 5 isn't selling as well as Apple had hoped and all this kind of stuff. But the fact of the matter is, is they've been firing out products quickly now that, yes, you can go and drop down if you want an iPhone you don't have to get an iPhone 5. You can drop down and get a, a 4S for cheap now because the 5's out. So if if you're wanting that iPhone, you can you know you can drop down and still get a decent iPhone and uh, p you know pay a lot less for it. So you're kind of getting the the best of both worlds. All right, and moving on for phone from phones for at least a couple of minutes. 
Uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh, content management systems. That's always an exciting topic. Yes, yes. Well, uh, I'm working on a redesign and, you know, a, a redesign of the district website. Uh, this is one that, you know, Mark, I know you heard about, I've heard about for years. Uh, we've always used Joomla, a Joomla site, or at least as long as I've been around. I don't know. I'm sure you had something before Joomla came along, Mark. Notepad. Did you have just flat HTML code aside? Oh, yeah. that Before Joomla, it was Notepad. Uh, HTML, yeah. good buddy. Yeah, I figured I figured uh, that you probably did. Well, yeah, so we've been on Joomla for several years. Um, Mark and I both know Joomla fairly well. Um, certainly well enough to administer a site through it, but we can get in and, and do some hacking around too. And, uh, uh, but... You know, it's just, it's the constant complaint has been they don't like the way that it looks. And I've had, I've had them, you know, my users forward some horrible looking sites as examples of what they'd like us to move yes, to. Yes, yes, yeah. Can we get something like this? No, no. As long as I'm living, you will not have something like this. Never. Yeah. Some good old blinking text and, you know, animated GIFs. Can we throw yeah. some of that in there, <laughs> please? <laughs> but it's got this cool yeah. flash gallery on it. No! Right. Yeah, and then you look at the content, and it has, like, the district address, and that's it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so I've, I've had a, a lot of that. Of course, when I, when I came in as your replacement, I think that's when everybody felt it, it was, you know, a subject that was primed to be approached again. Uh, so I got bombarded with those requests, and I'm like, you know, okay, if that's the general consensus, I understand. And certainly, uh, you know, we don't want to kind of raise our tech noses at, at the end user, right? If, if they have a complaint, then, you know, there's some validity there. You just have to try and flesh out what it really is. So um, working on a site redesign, something that's going to be more quote-unquote pretty, uh, but still I have to maintain that ability to you know, keep fresh content on there. And, and that means having users that can actually update the site rather than me having to be a full-time webmaster. So, uh, again, that leads you back to a content management system. And, uh, you know, I just, I did a lot of homework. I was really looking at, uh, Joomla and Drupal and, and things like that. And I was really looking for a template that I could at least get that had a decent amount of the design and functionality already built in so I wasn't having to go in and and start from scratch and uh, it was just most of the templates I was finding uh, that I liked that were more well suited for me were on the Drupal side um, and you know honestly the two systems are I mean they're close enough that you know if you know one you're gonna function well on the other uh, from a management side um, Mark, I mean, I know you've had some experience with this because our Element OPU site is Drupal, um, and it seems like you've found that to be a little bit more of a bear to handle. Well, the initial setup is not easy. Uh, it's I've I've made this analogy before, where someplace like uh, uh, Joomla or WordPress or something like that is a template where you color in the, you know, like a, like a, a coloring page. That's a good way to put it. There's an outline there and you choose the color where you want it. Um, Drupal is a workbench and tools. No, it's, it's planks of wood and tools and you're expected to build your own workbench. And then 
<laughs> build your own thing. It's it's very bare bones from out of the box. I mean, you get almost nothing. Um, yeah. And you have to you have to design everything, every page view. That's what they call it, views. Uh, every outline, everything, uh, every pane, everything has to be completely customized and designed, which makes it powerful. But it also it's definitely not plug and play. Right, right. I, I've certainly noticed that uh, oftentimes in Drupal, you can end up having to spend a little bit more time on things like CSS um, versus Joomla. But uh, all in all, that's the direction I'm going in. I've started, uh, just kind of laid the groundwork, got the install in, and did a couple of basic things. But I'm going to really dig in uh, during that holiday break that I get. <clears throat> I remember those fondly. <laughs> yeah, so I get I'm Christmas gonna, Day off. Yeah, yeah, I get a little bit more than that. <laughs> but I, I'm looking forward to it. So you may, you know, in the coming weeks or months, uh, hear me talk a little bit more about Drupal, uh, and even pick your brain, Mark, because you've been working in it more uh, more extensively than I have. So, um, looking looking forward to that. So let's move on to a topic we haven't covered in a while and talk about cell phones. <laughs> this is a, a bit of a um, a hallmark kind of texting turns twenty. Um, yes, today technically the first text message uh, was sent uh, December third, nineteen ninety two, twenty years ago. Yeah, from a PC to a cell phone. And I'm thinking 1992, what was that? Was that like those uh, clamshells? Did we have the, was that the Motorola's that had the clamshell, the first? Uh, the old, the flip phones, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. My, yeah, yeah, those were, you were special if you had one of those. But I think we we may even need to go a little farther back to the brick phones, maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah, because that's a couple years after we graduated high school. I'm trying to put myself back in the era and I can't really remember what people were walking around with then I, I I seem to think those first clamshell flip phones uh, were somewhere around in there uh, but even then I mean those I mean the displays that they had I mean basically could show uh, a phone number so I mean I can't imagine those uh, text messages were uh, too exciting the first one by the way was Merry Christmas so which uh, yeah, took uh, was- seven page scrolls to read Right. <laughs> no, they didn't have scrolling back then. It was all just left to well, I guess left to right scrolling. That's right? a scroll, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I love it because the uh the gentleman that's given the uh you know, he's given the distinction of having sort of invented texting, uh Matty McConan, and I don't even know if that's close, he's Finnish. Uh he agrees with us, Mark. He does not like to text speak. Uh, he prefers to stick to the 160 character <laughs> alphabet. <laughs> 160 characters. I've heard that Finnish was like a really difficult language, language, and all of those kind of Nordic right. uh, languages. But uh, 160 characters. Well, if you're gonna say words like fjord, you have to have extra characters. What does that keyboard look like? <laughs> I mean, if you have a 160-character alphabet, why in the world would you want to invent texting? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. yeah, the typical English keyboard is 105, 104 keys, and we only have 26 letters in the alphabet. So right. if you if you double, you know, carry that out 
for 160 characters, there's roughly 700 keys on their keyboards. <laughs> yeah, so crazy. But I thought it's certainly noteworthy of a mention on the Tightwad tech. So I'm sure Maddie's listening in and uh, glad that we slipped Yeah, he's a big there. fan. He's a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> he contacted me the other day. He said, hey, dude, you're cool. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, speaking of cell phones <laughs> and text messages, right. uh, some interesting information uh, came out relatively recently about retaining text messages. What your carrier, you know, when you're sending those dirty little messages back and forth to your girlfriend um, and thinking that uh, she's the only one that sees it, maybe not so much. There's been some evidence that uh, uh, major carriers are saving them uh intentionally not just in time just just the time it takes for the them to purge their caches and uh law enforcement officials want them yeah yeah they uh several uh law enforcement associations um major cities chiefs association i mean that just rolls right off the tongue yeah. all of these do really uh national district attorney association and the list goes on and on uh they've submitted a proposal to congress where basically cell phone providers would be required to maintain text messages in a, in, in a database for two years so that they can basically be, um, you know, subpoenaed and, you know, searched by a warrant and things like that. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of curious, Mark, what your, what your take is on all of this kind of privacy-related stuff. It seems like more and more the government and, and law enforcement you know, want more and more access to this private information. Um, well, here's what's going to happen. If, if this law passes, if it becomes a law, if it actually happens, text messaging will die and we will be using apps. We already use instant messaging apps on our phone. We still use text messaging cause it's handy, but it will die and we'll have encrypted apps and it'll be all right, sucker. You, you can archive this 226 bit gibberish as long as you want. Uh, that's right. what will happen because the 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 tinfoil hats will raise a fuss enough about it that uh, the regular people will say, you know, maybe maybe not. And, and considering what text messaging can can often be used for, I mean, if, in my case, it would be a whole lot of, hey, pick up some milk on the way home. Can you imagine two right. years of your text messages running late? Be be there in in twenty minutes. Or, uh, you know, uh, just random stuff like that. Meeting today at five. Nobody wants to archive that. But the idea is that we, you know, it's, we, we might crack a major drug ring. No, they're not sending text messages. <laughs> well, and they certainly won't once you pass a law. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of in the same way. I'm like, I could care less. It, it goes back to what we were talking about before. Right. I'm like, my life is not that interesting and there's really not anything, you know, if anybody wants to read through my stuff, uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to be bored to death. So that's my, my personal take on it. But then, you know, when I, I think about, uh, you know, just the kind of personal privacies that, uh, you know, we have and should continue to enjoy, um, you know, I, that's the only thing that really rubs me the wrong way is when government tries to, uh, shoehorn their way into, you know, your, your private life. So, well, and this article also goes on to, uh, to list some interesting information that, uh, cell phone carriers have, have published 
about how long they store their data. And this is uh, for the purpose, like, for example, if you send a message and the other person is out of cell range or has their phone off, there has to be some storage of that for some amount of time to be able to, to deliver that message. Um, and, you know, uh, carriers are constantly backing up their own servers, so your stuff might get backed up for a while until, you know, for as long as it takes for that uh, to be cached. So uh, there's some, you know, if you want to know um, about this, uh, Verizon says they store your content for uh, three to five days. Uh, Sprint will uh, up to 12 days and Nextel up to seven days. Uh, U.S. Cellular, seven to five days. Boost Mobile, uh, excuse me, U.S. Cellular, uh, three to five days. And Boost Mobile, seven days. Interestingly, AT&T slash Singular says they don't store it at all, which may explain why I don't get text messages like I should. <laughs> right, like sometimes there's that, I didn't get that text. Well, I sent it to you. Right. I didn't get it. Yeah. So And, and none of these bother me. Uh, the longest one being 12 days seems like a reasonable amount of internet buffer to me you know and i'm not bothered by that and and i would almost support some sort of legislation that says if you can produce a warrant with you know with a judge's um um agreement that there is reasonable um cause behind it that you can troll through the existing cache of what's already stored as a as a course of everyday doing business, I, I'd almost be okay with that. Um, yeah, well, I, or I think you know, you go another route there, Mark. As you say, you know, I think Mark's a bad guy. I think he's doing bad things. I have sufficient proof to uh, secure a warrant. Uh, basically, isn't the same way as they do with tapping phones. Uh, let me tap his text messages. And then I can I can survey sur- surveil you for a week, two weeks, two months, six months, however long the warrant uh, covers me for, uh, to to help build my case against you. And I really think that's what it comes down to. The same thing with with email. There's there it turns out uh, we should have talked about this, but I forgot. There um, somebody has sort of rediscovered uh, a loophole uh, that that a congressman is now trying to close. That that was written back in a time where um, internet storage items. Mark, I think. Oh, is it already there? Is that where you're going? The 180 day window? No, no. This is. Oh, oh, yeah. That's it. That's the one. Yeah. So okay, you were on it. So I'll let you go on. Go go with it then. Well, yeah. I mean, where that's where you were going. The uh, 1986 Electronic Communications Privacy Act. Okay. Now think. Let's stop right there. 1986. Right. What was stored on servers? in 1986 right there were like 50 servers on the planet in 1986 well, yeah. you know? cell phones you know 500 guys that drove ferraris you know around the entire u.s right <laughs> uh hardly anybody had cell phones either i mean very very different time uh it's so different i'm i'm a little surprised that they even bothered to have a privacy act back right. then so basically the what the law states and it's the current law in the u.s is that anything that has not been uh, accessed within six months, 180 days, is considered public domain, is considered abandoned. Um, and so that means if you store something in an online backup, you know, in your Dropbox for six months without accessing it, 
technically under current U.S. law, that's considered abandoned. That's not a good thing. And somebody just sort of woke up one day and said, hey, you know, we still have this law in the books. And, uh, and there's some, been some attention to try to sort of close that loophole. Uh, but it's an, it's an interesting thing to think about. We And this, this whole cell phone thing with the, the police chiefs of the American Union or whatever that was, um, <laughs> the Justice League of America, uh, they, um, the law enforcement officials, and, and not just them, everybody, is looking to leverage every angle they can get. And, right. you know, yes, you could tap a, a phone for two weeks and spend two weeks surveilling something, or you can get a law pass that says, hey, you got to store it for me where I can search it in two seconds. And and they're always going to be looking to, to leverage the newest technologies. And so we, that it's up to us as the educated voting public. Uh, I'm sorry. I just said a redundancy. Educated public. Um, voting, yeah, I mean, voting you, public. Three of them in there, yeah. <laughs> it's up to the the point zero one percent of us who are educated voting uh, public voters uh, to to try to stay on top of this and say, look, let's let's yes, technology makes things easier, but that whole constitution was written for a reason, right? Yeah, that, that's that's you know that's when I was doing research for the show, it just kind of seemed to go in that direction. There were several things going on that. Uh, go back to that and I mean that's been kind of a constant if you keep your ear to the ground in the tech world it just seems like that's those battles have constantly been going on now over the past several years Um, so yeah I don't know if you are the type that writes your congressman or congresswoman uh, you know maybe you want to do something like that Um, you know you'd like to think that these people educate themselves before they go and vote on issues like this but they they don't well and, and if they do the education comes from a brief written by an interested party right right yeah some lobbyists that right you know would love them to vote you know it lobby of police chiefs telling them hey this is why you need to vote this way so let's talk about another of my favorite topics patents yes <laughs> didn't we just was it last week or the week before i think i think we talked about patents this one's kind of interesting though because uh, we were oh you know, big surprise. We were talking about cell phone patent back then, I think is what it was. Uh, Welcome to the cell I, phone show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe that's what we should have called it. No, then nobody would listen to it. They'd see that title and just be like, uh, I'm going to skip this one. Uh, yeah. The Supreme Court announced that they're going to review a case. So this isn't even like having a, the case go before the Supreme Court to be tried. This is just they're going to review it to see if they will then hear it. Um, a company called Myriad Genetics, uh, they already have a patent on predictive testing for breast and ovarian cancer. But what this patent uh, covers is basically the gene, the human gene that uh, allows this predictive testing. So they've patented that gene. Um, and uh, Yale University scientists were working with this gene as well to try and, you know, uh, further humankind. <laughs> you know, well let's let's uh, put this in perspective the the idea here is that with a blood test we can tell your likelihood of getting cancer right. which on the on the outset is a good thing but what happens when insurance agencies get a hold of that you know we we there, you get a blood test 
you're healthy and you're 18, but there's a 47% likelihood that in the next 20 years you're going to get uh, breast cancer, sorry, you become uninsurable. Now, that's the that's the danger. The reality, let's ground things in reality, this is still way drawing board stuff. This this test right. doesn't exist yet, but they're on to something they think, and they wanted to secure the patent to make the research profitable. That's the whole point of of doing this. So they want to go ahead and pursue their research so that if they get it, they will have a patent on it. So it's right. not there yet. There is no magic pee on a stick and tell you if you've got cancer yet. But, and here's where I, you know, there's, there's, uh, and these things get so complicated and people don't stop to think about all the intricacies when you start talking about these sorts of things. But basically what they, or they had a cease and desist uh, issue to Yale University scientists who were working with the same gene. So now other scientists cannot even work with that gene. So, right, we've sequenced the human genome and now we have companies patenting parts of that genome and you know, I, it just it makes me sick because I, I just think about all of the all of the progress, all of the innovation, all of the wonderful things that could come out of that, right, Mark? That won't if if something like this gets upheld. And then let's go back to you know the cost of healthcare and everything else. If one company has basically a monopoly on that gene, um, you know what does that do? You know, they're of course they're going to you know charge tons of money for whatever test or or medicine they develop or whatever um so there was actually an appeal uh heard uh, federal appeals court uh heard the case and upheld that cease and desist order um so now you know so the patent's already there um you know cease and desist order uh, given and a federal appeals court has upheld it uh so it's moved on to the supreme court uh i'm kind of just curious where that ends up yeah, um, and just to, again to put some of the numbers in perspective, uh, the article says that about ten percent of women with breast cancer are likely to have a mutation of this BRCA one and BRCA two gene. So there's a there's a probability, and that probability might be able to detect ten percent of cancer patients. So this is this is not a magic elixir by any means, which means more study, more research should be done, but it can't be because of a patent. Right. Yeah, and that that's what I hate is basically here we go again where patents, the whole patent system just needs to be redone. I mean, it, it's serving nothing but killing innovation. And it was originally designed to foster innovation. It was say, all right, I have a limited amount of protection for a few years so that I can go ahead and work on this and not worry about having to rush to uh, to market with it because somebody else might beat me or somebody might take all my research uh, and and do it uh, cheaper. So that's the patent is supposed to protect innovation and the way we're slapping it around like a a wet trout um, makes it uh, a, a quasher of innovation and not a not an enabler. Yeah, you know, uh, Mark, sometime in just last week, and I don't know, I just stumbled across this, 
but I was reading up on that whole patent deal, and you're right, the original patent act of 1868 or whatever it was, and don't quote me on those numbers, but, um, and it says, you know, the U.S. Patent Act or whatever, and then right under the title, it says an act to encourage innovation or something like that. I mean, it, it was literally on the act right up underneath the title, um, which goes right back to what you were saying. Yeah, and it's just the system has kind of gotten messed up. And we often talk on this show about software patents. This is not software. This is a genome. This is a process patent on on genetic licensing. But it just goes to show you, you know, we need some things to change. And I'm interested into what the Supreme Court will do because Supreme Court gets to choose what cases they pick. They, it's there's not a docket forced on them. They are the highest court in the land. They can see all cases or no cases. So they thought it was interesting enough to to have a look at it and the the downside is that they have so much power they can sort of write law from the bench uh which i think they were never intended to have that much power but that's for another show right right and then our next two topics are actually uh uh, sean put one of them in the notes and i put the other one in there Uh, uh, but they turn out to be something that we talked about yesterday on our everyday Linux podcast. So you might wonder why they're here, but, um, I think they're interesting to, uh, a a general audience as well. Uh, we, there has been some wailing and gnashing of teeth about the UFEI, uh, secure bootloader. Um, now the, this article in ZDNet refers to it as the windows eight UF UEFI, which is just bad reporting it's not windows 8 uefi it's it's a standard written in hardware has nothing to do with software but microsoft has said that your machines can't be windows 8 certified if they don't support uefi so that's where those two things come together i'm Uh, I'm so glad you're throwing that all together for me because i was trying to research that and it wasn't real clear you know what exactly it was i had a feeling that you would probably do a better job of explaining that yeah, so UFI is basically a way to say only things that have been digitally certified and that digital certification is encoded in this chip can boot on a machine. So you can't uh, put just any um, operating system on it. That's The idea here, there is to prevent rootkits and, and things like that from, from sneaking in and taking over your OS because they wouldn't be signed. So it's a it's a fairly difficult process to get signed. You have to get a signature that is valid with the hardware. Archi- uh, right now, I think Intel is the only people who are doing this. I could be wrong on that. Uh, so you have to get something that that's compatible with their system. It has to be registered and, and has to be incorporated in the in the BIOS in the chips. Um, and so it's it's kind of a big deal. And the Linux community was saying, well, there you go. That puts us out. If if a if a UF, UEFI is turned on and the BIOS is locked out. Uh, open source software is never going to be able to put on uh, be put on there. Now, again, let's let's be a little realistic there. That's a toggle in the BIOS that you can turn on or off. And anybody who wants to put Linux on their machine is probably going to be tech savvy enough to go in the BIOS and flip that switch off. Right. But, but you know, again, the 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 people the the chicken littles who want to say the sky is falling. I like to say that this was specifically designed done by Microsoft to to push out Linux. All right, let's just put that to rest. That's not what it is. But the Linux community has risen to the test uh, task, and uh, we're working working on a way of creating their own secure bootloader. And it's finally here, sort of. A developer has created what he calls a shim. It's a little pre-installer uh, 
that you can uh, build into your uh, OS, and it will be locked down. You can generate your own keys, so you don't have to go through uh, uh, an expensive uh, certification process. You can build your own keys, and they will be compatible, and, and they will work. Uh, but it's not for the everyday user. This is for people who are designing Linux distros for Ubuntu and for Fedora and for those guys uh, who at this point hadn't figured it out. And this guy used to work for Fedora. Uh, he doesn't anymore as of just very recently. Um, his name is Matt something or other. Matthew Garrett. Matthew Garrett. There we go. Um, and he uh, he's releasing it just on his own just because he thinks it's something that needs to be done. Uh, and it's an opportunity now for the people who make Linux distributions to create a, an OS that can be wor- uh, uh, booted on a machine with UEFI turned on. So it's kind of big news, but it was never the uh, digital apocalypse that some people like to make it out to be. Okay. Well, <sighs> I feel like. Did that make sense? Yes, it did actually. Um, what I'm curious is: is that just a pre-boot? I mean, is that something that affects you know once you're booted up into the OS? So, yeah, like it's you, it's you referenced actual software. So, if I'm trying to run GIMP, no, on it's one it's purely a pre-boot process. It certifies right. the OS as safe to boot. Okay, and that that's kind of where I, I that was my understanding of it. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, okay. And then the next one uh, I think is interesting because we have on this show recommended uh, Microsoft Security Essentials as a solid tool uh, for uh, antivirus that's free and freely available uh, on Windows. Uh, And there's a a Softpedia article uh, that is kind of, again, chicken little sky is falling reporting that says, um, here's the headline, Microsoft Security Essentials fails AV test, loses certification. So clearly, we should all go out and delete Microsoft Security Essentials from all of our machines because it's now certified or actually non-certified as a piece of junk. Not so much. You have to actually by read. Who? You have who? to yeah by a company called AV Test, and they're actually a, a reputable company. They're known as people who test antivirus. Okay. Um. So, but you have to go and read the internals of the of the article instead of just the headline. Uh, so this company, AV Test, um, AVTest.com is their website. Uh, excuse me, AVTest.org, uh, and their job is putting um, antivirus uh, software through the ringer and certifying it. Uh, and so recently, they they decertified Microsoft Security Essentials, and here's why: there are three levels that they test. Uh, uh, antivirus at the one is uh, the zero day virus and what that means is a virus that has never been seen before so my assumption is what they're doing is they're writing their own viruses they're creating virus-like activities that a system that is looking for virus-like activity should find because if it's if they use something that's already been known that's not zero day the whole point of a zero day is an unknown attack that has not been found right now, just running some sort of algorithm to look for that right. activity and that's called a heuristic uh, detection because you can't uh, – most uh, antivirus is done by digital signatures. We know that this this uh, virus uses this file and with this signature so we can scan your hard drive for this signature. That's the most effective and most efficient way to do it. Uh, but that doesn't always work because some things have never been found before. So uh, companies 
probably 10 years ago, maybe 15, started building in heuristic algorithms, learning, thinking algorithms uh, in a crude way. And they've gotten better over the years. But that's also what slows a machine down. Because every time you open a file or every time you scan a file or every time you uh, try to save a file, it's running this heuristic uh, algorithm and saying, if this code is executed, what kind of behavior will it, will it do? Is that behavior um, considered virus-like or not? Do I need to flag a warning? So that's, that's in large part why most antiviruses really bog your machine down. It's that heuristic detection. And, and I know there's some geek out there uh, saying I'm saying it all wrong. I'm way overly simplifying this just to, to, to get the, the point across. Um, so Microsoft's Security Essentials failed that part of the test fairly miserably. Uh, last month, they uh, were at 69% of the viruses they threw at them. Uh, and this week, uh, this month, they were at 64%. And based on two months of bad performance, they decertified. They took away the, uh, the AV test certification of security essentials. Uh, says the industry average is about 89% uh, for that sort of stuff. So it's way below average. So in the heuristic analysis, security essentials bombed. Okay. If you stop reading there, you, you agree that it's a terrible thing. If you keep reading, it says, now, as for the de- detection of widespread and prevalent malware, Microsoft had a 100% success rate. So at zero day, at detecting things that nobody's ever seen before, it didn't do so well. At things that have are known, so like one day, day, day one, day two, day 10, they have a 100% accuracy rate. Um, and then in the next one, in things that are considered uh, sort of broad categories, they were in the 98% rate there. So uh, that's actively running widespread. So there's, there's things like NIMDA that's 10 years old. You expect everything to have a 100% rate on that. But things that are, that are current, current infections running right now but aren't considered archive really yet, it hit 98%. Nobody else got close to that the next uh, the next one uh, the next closest one was 95 percent so security essentials outperforms everything else they tested in two of their three categories but because it failed in one they uncertified it so really this becomes an educated consumer decision do you want something that um, is better at finding viruses that nobody has ever seen before uh, or not and micro, I think this was a design that philosophy are, that are extremely less likely to actually hit you. And, and yes, and so you have I mean, to be. I've got to think like ninety nine point eight percent of what might actually hit you is going to be the stuff that's known and out there. Right. So if you're on the bleeding edge and you're out there in the 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 dirty forums out there where the terrorists hang out, then you probably don't want to run security essentials because it's not good enough. But if you're an average everyday user. See, uh, you run Security Central, Sean. That thing updates three or four times a week on average, sometimes more than once a day. Right. Uh, So Microsoft is constantly updating that sucker to make sure that everything it can find, it knows about, is on the list. So they made it. What I wanted to ask you, Mark, is, you know, when we talk about the heuristic side, I mean, if you're running a a firewall and uh, several other security measures, you know, running into an organization, I mean, doesn't that help kind of close the gap on that? 
Uh, well, it certainly can, but you know, Stuxnet managed to get onto a uh, a nuclear centrifuge that had never been connected to the internet. You know, a human being plugged in a, a, a drive. So there are, you know, the the firewall is certainly something you have to have, but you can't consider yourself completely immune just because you have one. Right, right. But I mean, certainly, you know, if you're running, uh, you know, you've got several measures in place, then, right. you know, you're going to be even less worried about right. it, I guess. My, my take on this is Microsoft made a design decision, said we're going to make something that's fast and stays out of your way and that you never know is running. And in order to do that, we're going to give up some of that zero day um, capacity and make sure we patch it like crazy so that everything else is there. So they outperform in the, the known categories by a lot. They underperform in the unknown categories. And I'm okay with that because me and my wife and my kids, we're not going to hit get hit with those zero-day things. It's just not likely to happen. So I'm playing the numbers, and I would rather have performance out of my system 365 days out of the year rather than having it slow all the time in the likelihood, the off chance, that I might run into a zero-day infection. Right. Well, and those zero day infections, I think a lot of times anyway, are, are somewhat targeted, right? I mean, yeah, they certainly, I'm, they often are, but you know, you gotta, people look back at like, remember the Melissa virus or the, the, I love you virus, that thing spread literally around the world in a day and people remember that and they're scared of that. But that was, that was a whole different time. People didn't have firewalls then. They weren't running hardware firewalls at their home. They didn't have a, a, a little D-Link box running NAT and, and intrusion detection. Yeah, did you know that? That cheap little D-Link box that you bought at, at Best Buy has a, a sophisticated uh, um, attack prevention software in it because that is now known and cheap. And your machine is probably running its own firewall. So those things really can't happen anymore. And so we're still running scared of, of things that were... Um, are byproduct uh, products of a of a bygone era, right? Okay, right. this is I, like the rant show. Maybe that's what we should have called it, the <laughs> rant show. <laughs> I feel like I've been preaching, but really, it, it's I've been explaining. I hope I've been yeah. explaining rather than ranting. Yes, no, you did a great job. Except <laughs> the Facebook stuff, I was ranting then. <laughs> all right, and that's all we got. Uh, so the next thing I will say is if you want to make your presence known, if you want to, uh, you know, respond to my rants or tell me I was wrong, the place you can do that is at elementop.com. Click the contact us button at the top of the page and, uh, that will send an email to Sean and to me. Uh, you can go into the forums, click on the, uh, tightwad tech forum, make your, uh, comments known there. That will be to the public. And also, Sean and I will read it. Or if you would like to be uh, on our show in your very own dulcet tones, uh, you can leave us a voicemail by using the widget at the top of the page. Uh, enter your phone number. Google Voice will call you, and you can leave us a voicemail. Or if you're just out and about in the car, dial 559-IAM-OP anywhere in the continental U.S. and Canada, and uh, you can leave us a voicemail that way. Or if you live outside the country and you want to make yourself known, just talk into your little, your iPhone and use the voice recorder on that and email me that. There's all kinds of ways that you can be on the show. Do keep it brief. I had somebody recently send me uh, a 17-minute 
voicemail or not voicemail, wow. but uh, audio commentary. Obviously, that's not going to make it on the air. Uh, but uh, so keep it three minutes or less, please. Uh, and but we will put it on the show. Do, so, do you think Siri knows about us, Mark? Siri, yeah. <laughs> Siri, send a message to Mark and Sean and see what happens. <laughs> I don't like those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and also, if you're out there on iTunes, uh, give us a rating and a review. I would appreciate that. If you're not out there on iTunes, go out there on iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. It would be appreciated. And one last plug, when you're doing your holiday shopping, if you happen to be shopping online, go to elementopi.com slash Amazon, make your purchases from there. We'll make a few bucks. All right. And Mark, I actually have one more plug right up that alley All if right. you can tip or not yeah i put it under tip of the week i didn't i don't think you saw that i did uh, see that yes okay um i wanted to throw it in there just because i've never talked about this before this is something that i pay for but uh you know and they're certainly not paying us for this so this is not a paid for spot by any means but i wanted to mention it because i'm really happy with the service and that's uh amazon prime um I, have you used have you used that one at all mark i am not an amazon prime member though no. Okay. Well, um, if you're not familiar with Amazon Prime, or maybe you've just heard a little bit about it, um, and I guess I should start off with, uh, I do not have satellite television, cable, anything like that. I get all of, if I watch anything at all, uh, I get it uh, via the internet, or uh, I subscribe to Netflix and also to Amazon Prime. Uh, Amazon Prime uh, basically gives you uh, three major I guess, perks with Amazon. Uh, you get free two-day shipping with an Amazon Prime account. You also get unlimited... On everything. R right. I think the order has to be over $25, though. Uh, there is a minimum order, but most of the time, I know, for, you know, in my case, most of the time I order something on Amazon, it ends up being, you know, over $25. Um, so, yeah, the free two-day shipping, if you just buy some things throughout the year, uh, you get into the price. I guess I should mention the price first. Uh, and this is what I paid $79 a year. Uh, but in November, just this past November, they opened up a monthly pricing. So you can pay 79 a year upfront or 799 a month, uh, which to put that in perspective, even the monthly one, which is more expensive than paying on the year, um, is still cheaper than I pay for Netflix, which I pay $9.99 a month for Netflix. So, and if you're interested in gaming the system, and you're making a purchase that is going to cost $75 to ship, sign up for a one-month membership, make the purchase, don't renew next month. That's right, yeah, saying. or this time of year, and this is why I really wanted to slip this in, too. I mean, if you're doing a lot of Christmas shopping and you end up uh, doing a lot of that through Amazon, they have a one-month free trial. So at the very least, sign up, make December your one month, sign up for Amazon Prime, and and certainly uh, get take advantage of that uh, that free two day shipping uh, that that's great stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, the service has that shipping, the unlimited streaming of videos and movies. Now that's not their entire library, uh, but it's an extensive library. I mean, I, I personally think it's on par or very nearly on par with uh, with Netflix. Um, and then they also have a Kindle lending library. So if you happen to own a Kindle, um, they have a really cool little service where you can go in and check out a book like a library you can check out one book a month you know read that book and then the next month you can check that book in and check out another one so basically you get to read 12 free books a year um and that's all included in in your membership 
another cool feature of this is that you can have up to you can share your account with up to five users. So other Amazon users, you can just say, "Hey, I'm going to share my Prime account with you." And you know, it's designed for families where several members of a family can can share that account. But uh, I think that's just that's another neat uh, little add-on there. So I've just been really happy with it, and I felt like it was, um, you know. It's inexpensive enough, and considering what you get for it, um, I've been real happy with it. And heck, at the very least, go out and get that that free 30-day trial. Interesting uh, news story just this week, maybe last week. Amazon released their you know earnings numbers. They are a publicly traded company, so they have to release that sort of information. And um, based on their estimates, uh, they're losing about a billion dollars a year in shipping costs. Wow. Yeah. Amazon Prime costs them money. Uh, the Kindle Fire costs them money. But they have $5 billion in the bank, so they're not, they're not hurting. The idea is they make that up when you, when you buy books and when you buy stuff from them. So, but yeah, about a billion bucks a year, roughly, based on their uh, quarterly numbers, if you multiply it times four, is what they're losing on Amazon Prime or, or on shipping in general. Because uh, there are a lot of things that are free even if you don't have Amazon Prime. Right. They're really cheap. That's one That's one kind of uh, perk of buying stuff on Amazon is that they don't seem to, you know, rape you on shipping. You know, like if you buy something off of eBay or, or somewhere else, you know, uh, the, that whole system's designed for people to actually not only make money on what they're selling you, but make money on the shipping. Right. And that can be a little bit frustrating. So that's one one thing that's usually nice about uh, picking up something on Amazon, anyway. So, uh, yeah. So I wanted to make that my tip of the week. Um, it's a, it's a little bit uh, astray from what we usually kind of offer up as a tip of the week. But if you're not familiar with it or you haven't ever checked it out, uh, you might want to check it out because that's basically how they got me. And it's very rare that somebody gets me on one of those free trials. Um, usually, I do the free trial and be like, yeah, you know, yeah, that was cool, but not worth paying what you're asking for it and uh, this is one of those few things that i was like yeah i'll gladly pay for that cool all right that's it i got nothing else well it was a great show mark thank you for saying so <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on that note i will simply say this is mark signing off and sean signing off <laughs>